the insurance coordinators are always seen as the ones that like are in charge of the claims. And yes, they are, but I can't send in anything if it's not supported well. It's just, I can't, I just can't. When you think to yourself, oh, well, that's not gonna get covered, check yourself because you've been operating with that thought for 10 years and things have changed. You know, a lot of offices, I still talk to managers that are like, oh, implants aren't covered. Uh, come on, implants are definitely covered. There's a lot of advances carried on, right? Like you guys are seeing all sorts of new technologies and stuff. You know, tell your front office about that. We don't read the same journals. We like to see what's coming on. I mean, I, my office was different. We were all nerds, but I, there's a lot of offices where I'll say, you know, hey, have you heard about the staging and grading? And then I, hygienist is like, oh yeah, I tried to talk to him about that. And so, you know, have a, have a lunch and learn with your staff. Yeah, this is a tale, a tale, oh yeah, a tale of two hygienists. So there might be only one, bringing the best of dental knowledge, and we do it all with ease. We cover oral health and screening, and preventing gum disease. We're gonna do a lot of learning, and have a little bit of fun working at the dentist. A tale of two hygienists. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast, an Endeavor business media production. This is episode number 365. I am your host, Andrew Johnston, and thank you so much for being with me today. I am feeling great. I had the best non-NyQuil-induced sleep I think I've ever had. So I'm feeling good about today. We have a great show lined up, uh, has been lined up actually for some time with Teresa Duncan, and we talk about some things that you need to know about for the new year. And as a side note, since we had intended for this podcast to be aired at the end of last year, and obviously we missed that mark, there was an announcement of about a course that was coming up in January. Unfortunately, as this airs, it happened yesterday. But if you guys could do me a favor and check out her website, Odyssey MGMT, it's Odyssey Management, odysseymgmt.com, and see where you can see her next. I know she's scheduled to speak at the Voices of Dentistry in a few weeks, and then also at the Yankee Dental Congress in the following weekend after that. On her website, on the homepage, right there in the middle, there is a tile that you can click and see her speaking schedule so you can find out where else she's going to be speaking. Also from that homepage, kind of on the right-hand side, you'll see all of the online courses and webinars that she has. And so if you enjoy this episode or if you just love Teresa because everyone does, make sure that you see where else that you can see her and share that with your friends, share that with your team, and maybe that can be a team-building exercise that you do. So again, odysseymgmt.com, you'll see the link in the show notes. This week, I will be attending, it was kind of a last-minute situation, the Dental Hygiene Seminars Board Prep course in Chicago. So if you're a student or faculty that plans on being there and is listening to this the day that it releases, send me a quick DM, instant message, email Andrew at a Tell 2 Hygienist, anything. I would love to meet you. And special thanks to Jason Cole for helping me get that last-minute arrangement to be able to attend. I also have a tip episode coming out on Friday. I talk a little bit about handling no-shows or downtime and what you can do about that because I feel like that's an area that is constantly we're being kind of ridiculed and complained about for not doing things in our downtime, but also we feel like we have so much that we need to do. And so if you're kind of in between a rock and a hard place, I think this would be a really good episode for you. Also, if you're a student and have no idea how the office works, this will be a good episode to maybe bookmark and come back to later on after you've been practicing for a little bit. I made all of the mistakes in the world. And so hopefully for you all, it's not too late and you can and do better than I did. Um, so that is it. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Teresa Duncan. A tale of two hygienists.
Welcome everybody into the interview portion of the podcast. So thankful to be here with Teresa. Teresa, by the way, one of my favorite people. You want you know why you're one of my favorite people for like podcasting? Ooh, just for podcasting? Uh, among all of the, the other reasons too, but okay. for podcasting right, specifically, ahead. is I will ask you a question and you have a depth of knowledge that just goes on and on. So I don't have to ask too many questions. So I'm gonna my goal is, which I should have told you this before, but I'm gonna ask you maybe three questions during this. I'll just let you go. Does that sound good? This is this is such a this is the best way anyone's ever told me that I talk too much. This it's is very amazing. polite, right? You really yes, wow, you wrapped that up very nicely in a bow. I'm oh, not even mad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Listeners, you know this voice, Teresa Duncan. She's been on multiple times doing our fast facts coding edition which are amazing, by the way, we've had feedback from office managers. I'm like, wait, why are you listening to you know, our podcast? Like, this is so weird that they found us through, I think, through you, through searching your name mm-hmm. on social media and things like that. So thank you for doing that for us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, so the impetus of this show, one, I don't really have too many questions. For real, I don't have any questions planned for this. <laughs> um, a question came through. We did a survey, uh, I think it was a few months ago asking the audience like, Hey, what do you want to hear for the new year? And this episode is going to be coming in right before the new year. And the question that she had was, um, advice on how to get claims paid. And you've covered some of this in some of the, the fast facts. And I think it's kind of a a broad (laughs) question that we have here, but what are your thoughts on like, what, what are we messing up? Why aren't we getting things paid and how can we be more efficient with that? Wow. Okay. So you can just put the microphone down and go take a walk because I've got this now, Andrew. Like, <laughs> so what do we do as far as getting claims paid? Okay. So the number one thing, and I, you know, this is not going to thrill your audience in particular, but the clinical piece is always what we as admin. So I'll say we as admin, I'm not trying to do a power struggle because I love y'all, but the, the we part here, we send in a claim and what we're seeing is just the documentation isn't there to support it. So this is new for 2021 or so. I mean, that became kind of standard practice. But right now, the standard practice, and I know you're going to hear things from different voices out there, the standard practice that the carriers would love to see, and they want to see it, actually, they're starting to mandate it for PPO offices, is they want to see the clinical notes. They don't want a narrative. They don't want me or, you know, Sally Joe at the front desk writing a narrative because Sally Joe writes terrible narratives. I wrote awesome narratives, but Sally Joe writes terrible narratives. Sally Joe writes something like, um, this is actually a real example, gums bleed, that's it. Okay. So what are you going to do with that? Okay, yeah, so gums bleed. Okay, well... I, direct to the point and but there's no perio charting and there's bite wing x-rays so that doesn't help okay so screenshots of clinical notes though means andrew that your audience has to have good templates good clinical notes with you know descriptions and all of that the diagnosis has to be there one thing that i'm finding a lot started last year this year see it a lot more next year i'm expecting to read in a lot more provider policy manuals is diagnostics have to be clear meaning your x-rays that you're taking, they cannot be cone cut, overlap, all that other stuff. They have to be of diagnostic quality. So if you send in an x-ray that's just marginal and everything else is great, say your clinical notes are great, your intraoral images are great, but the x-ray itself 
contractually, that dental consultant has to deny the claim because the diagnostics are not there. And if they ever got audited, they would get in trouble. So they have to do that. Now, the other issue that we've been seeing with diagnostic quality is if a consultant, for example, insurance consultant, sees the same bad x-rays from an office over and over again, they're going to think, What's, what else is going on at this office, right? So you are prime for an audit at that point. But they have in all of the policy manuals, this is why I brought it up, they have in all the manuals that they have to be of diagnostic quality. And if it's not of diagnostic quality, guess what? They can ask for that money back. Wow. So if you take an x-ray, the finished product should be a good x-ray, right? Same for a crown. If you do a crown and it's got open margins all around, of course the person would, would be entitled to ask for a refund. It's the same thing with x-rays. So Take good quality images, make sure your clinical notes are are filled out really well. Diagnosis, prognosis, all of that is there. Now that we have the the perio guidelines, put in the stage, put in the grade, all of that, just set it up really well. And then that being said, the front office should at that point be able to take over and submit everything that they need. So the insurance coordinators are always seen as the ones that like are in charge of the claims and yes, they are, but I can't send in anything if it's not supported well. It's just, I I can't, I just can't. You know, it's interesting. I, th- I think, you know, I've done a lot of coaching for hygiene and I would, I would see this not, it's not cone cuts overlap is like the biggest one, or they didn't get distal enough or mesial enough. Those are like the the big mm-hmm. problems that I see. And I, so I presented to the, the hygienist, I said, look, you as a team have discussed this, you have diagnosed that this is going to be scaling and root planning because there's bone loss, there's this and this and this. I said, I also see on the treatment plan, though, that there is a need for a root canal or caries, so we need a filling or whatever. How can I see that on this x-ray? And so a lot of hygienists get so into the, I see the bone levels, though, Andrew. I do. I'm doing my job. But sometimes I think they forget, like, the bigger picture. Like, uh, an x-ray is not just for a diagnosis of perio. It is a diagnosis for all right. dental disease. But I also have another question about these notes, though, you talk about. Is this a... <laughs> screenshot, copy and paste, and then that ends up being your narrative to the insurance company? Yeah, that just forget the word narrative. That's not what they want. In fact, it's in the manuals that, Delta's manuals, that narratives are no longer considered to be, and I they use this really big, long term that basically says it's not worth it. So they, they say the only acceptable you know, documentation they want are clinical notes. And it's because they, they want to know that it's actually written by the doctor, you know, or approved should be approved by the doctor. And that's another thing too. I've seen a lot of bad notes where it was the assistant filling it in. And if the assistant's not well-trained and the doctor never goes back and looks at it, you know, that's trouble too. And just as an aside, my rant here is it blows my mind. If I had a license, I would be double-checking everything that goes out with my license number because I'm terrified of losing my license. That's my, that's my kids' support, my family support, all that. It blows my mind that there are clinicians out there, mostly dentists, that are not mindful of that. Like, don't, I always say in my classes, don't document to the level of the carrier. Document to the level of the court, of the state board. If you document to that level, the carriers are fine. Like, that's just going to fall into place. But, you know, if you think your notes can withstand a judge and jury, then my work is done here. But chances are it probably can't. You can't really fault the insurance companies, though, for trying to be a little bit more objective. Well, if you think about it, I mean, I know a lot of people like to fault the insurance companies, sure. right? And I, I do work, I, just to be fair, I'm on a lot of collaborative projects with carriers. So I'm in constant contact with them. They, a lot of times, come from dentistry themselves. 
And their real primary goal is to keep their client happy, which is the employers. Mm. So one executive told me, and I will never forget this, he said, we would love to cover all sorts of crowns, all sorts of perio, but the premium on that would be way too high. And he said, so it's not a matter of us saying you shouldn't take care of oral health. It's a matter of balancing it where the employer is willing to pay this price for their employees' oral health. And let's be honest, a small business owner, owner of a glass shop is not really concerned with my breath. Mm-hmm. It's just, he's just not. Yeah. Well, maybe, but you know what I yeah. mean. <laughs> I just think, sorry, I went like a little squirrel moment. I was like, you said glass shop. I was hoping you say glass eye shop from calling back from the interview you did with Elvis. Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So when we were talking to those lab, those lab uh, geeks, I love them. They were so much fun. But the, when they, she said glass eye, I thought of my friend Trenton in high school. He had a glass eye. And as a joke, he would just roll it all over the place. Like he would take it out and roll it, oh. right? Because it was tr- like fully glass, yeah. right? Yeah. Like no, and he would roll it. And then like when the teacher turned around to start writing on the board, like his eye would go around the classroom. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but we started laughing. We yeah. It was really, but new students would get so freaked out about it. It was really fun. That is, so that's what I thought. Was of. he playing marbles with it? <laughs> like. It was kind of like, yeah. How gross is that, by the way? So if like the eye comes to you, like you can't just like, you have to stop it because it's going to, I don't know. It's just, it was just really weird. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry. We we digress about glass eyes for a minute. Okay. Let me ask this. So we're talking about claims getting paid. So I'm a hygienist. I've done, you know, pretty decent. No, it's maybe not not the best or whatever. The claim gets rejected. Okay. And it comes back to the office. What happens at that point? What can the office still do to get that claim paid? So that would be a time when we would write an appeal. So the hygienist or the dentist could make an addendum to their notes, as long as it's marked in the notes, you know, further notes on this patient and then write down their observations. Perhaps there wasn't a recording of the conversation that indicated the patient just started smoking again, or the patient, you know, has changed medication. Maybe that wasn't included in the notes, but it was on the medical history that now they're taking different medication or started do regimen of treatment. So that could be an addition. There could also, you know, honestly, just resubmitting it with everything restated is a good way of getting things paid. So I'm not going to say this is common, but it is true that in some cases that initial denial is an automatic one. I was just going to ask that. So, right. So, so if that's the case and you're like, wait, this got returned to me in like three days, then you can pretty much bet that was just an automatic denial, right? So if then that's the case, then I would resubmit with the same information, maybe a little bit extra, you know, written in the, the attachments, then see how that goes. And if it comes back again further denied, I always am going to punt that to the patient, honestly. And But that that means that in the beginning, when I was going over the financial considerations, so this is where the hygienist and the the financial coordinator have to be in concert here. The finance, me as the money person, I always, during my conversations with scaling and root planning and implants, I always mention to them, there's going to be follow-up appointments. So I talked to them about the 4910s with implants. I was talking about the maintenance, the locators, the replacements and all that. But I also am going to say to them, I sometimes can have problems with these claims. So just just want to let you know, it may not happen with your office, with your particular insurance company, but this is something that I run into problems a lot with. So I will appeal it if there's an issue. I'll let you know. 
But Mrs. Jones, if I call you and tell you I need your help, it's because I've done everything that I can. And that's what I say so that when I throw up the bat signal, the patient knows I'm serious. So it's not like, oh, okay, hey, I need to call on this. Like, she's going to think, okay, Teresa tried everything. Okay, I guess I need to call. So I reassure them that I'm not going to do that unless I really, really need your help. And then I get a lot more buy-in when it comes to that. And then it's like, it's you two versus the insurance company rather than it's like, yes. well, you're not helping me get, you know, your office is terrible or the doctor is terrible because he won't right. accept the insurance or whatever. It's like, not us. Um, right. Exactly. You know, there's, there's a lot of hygienists that the company I just came from that conversation's had at the chair with the hygienist. It's not had with someone at the front by and large. And oh, so that's I, great. Um, well, I, I mean, sorry, let me, let me back up. The conversation about money is out of the chair. I don't think that they're they're having the conversation of, hey, if this comes back, I I do have trouble getting this paid. If it comes back, you know, Andrew, I'm going to need your help with contacting the insurance company getting this paid. I want to go back to what you said earlier, though, is like, how can the insurance company just automatically deny something? I don't understand how that rubber stamp works. How do you do that? How's that legal? I mean... I don't know if it is legal. Oh. I don't know if it's ethical. I just know that, you know, I've, I've heard it enough anecdotally and experienced enough anecdotally that there's no way that someone, especially electronically, reviewed this claim within a day or two. Right. There's no way. I know how those work. They have protocols. You know, the claims are then batched to the consultant. It does. It's not a 24-hour turnaround. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah. We, we've noticed that, too. And it was across multiple offices in the same area and is the same, you know, insurance, not company. What'd you call them? Insurance carrier. carrier. Thank you. Company's fine. Uh, it's just, you know, let's be, let's be proper on the tele two hygienist here. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. So we're, as you said, punting to the patient, yeah. then what can, what is the patient able to do at that point? Who do they contact and how? So the patient, so this is important. When you say to the patient, I need your help. Can you call the insurance company? You need to give them the actual number to call because they will go, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. But if they have the number in front of them in the email or the text, however you communicate, they will call it. So don't just say, hey, call. They're not going to call. Give them the number. So they'll call customer service, but the customer service that's on for them. So we have also, when we look at the insurance information, we, like Aetna has a customer line. You know, and it's usually either on the card or on the documentation. And so we'll we'll send them that because if they call the provider line, it's much faster to call the consumer line, as you know. And then the other piece is take all of this information to your HR department and let them know that this is an issue. So I'm happy to send them a heads up that, hey, I'm going to send you some stuff in the mail. Why don't you take this to HR? And if they want it digitally, of course, they can request it and then they can send it to HR. It's just that I need permission to mail out that stuff, Mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. And... If they take it to HR, you know, HR can change that like the day of, like they can call and say, pay that claim because they're the ultimate customer. And they understand by paying that claim that it may throw the premium off, but that's their call to make. Mm -hmm. So I've had plenty of very important people in companies get their claims paid amazingly (laughs) when they complain to HR. So, you know, it's interesting what you see. It's magic how that works. (laughs) Okay. So I think we probably have time, not rapid fire, but pretty quickly to talk about two more things I think are really important. One is kind of a callback to the fast facts that you did about changes for next year that a hygienist needs to be aware of. Can you quickly just reiterate that in case they missed the, the fast fact? 
Yeah, so there's a lot of changes coming up in the x-ray. So be sure to read that. They're getting rid of the enteral image one because they're creating a more nuanced version of the enteral image code. So you'll need to do that. And and just real quick, there's a lot of people that tell me, well, what do, I don't even use that code anyways. We don't get paid for it. You need to check that because there's a lot of offices that get paid for intraoral images and, you know, why not? So, and that's just really a good thing to do is when you think to yourself, oh, well, that's not going to get covered. Check yourself because you could have been operating with that thought for 10 years mm-hmm. and things have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of offices, I still talk to managers that are like, oh, implants aren't covered. Uh, come on. Implants are definitely covered. So that's another thing. Um, The 4355 is changing. And, you know, the debridement code, I just actually recorded something on nobody told me that on that as well, because it came up in a seminar. And it's changing next year so that it doesn't say comprehensive oral evaluation after the 4355. You know, it's to enable right now, it's to enable a comprehensive oral Mm. evaluation, which is 150. So honestly, when they come back, it's probably 180. So they changed that to say, you know, to enable a periodontal oral evaluation. And you could also do a comprehensive if there is no, like if their gums tighten up and things are good. Sorry, so can I, can I slow you down just there. for a quick second? Yeah, just to make sure no, I, see, I get that so part. excited. So, okay, so does that mean that we would be able to do a 150 same day as that or do they still no, come back? No, still subsequent visit. Okay, so that, okay, yeah. so that part doesn't change because I think that's still like, widely across most offices misused as we've talked about before. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was hoping they're gonna make it easier so that they we could do it real quick and then doctor can do the you know the no, comprehensive you know, but then we'll do the perio later. The same day is the same day you use one four oh you use a limited. That's what you use That's, because yeah. in order to make the diagnosis for the forty three fifty five, there was some sort of limited evaluation done, right? I like the people I work with at the ADA, but they just had a webinar on this and the information was inconsistent, even within the webinar. So go to the website, you know, the ADA's website, it has a position paper on 4355, and they're going to have to change it for next year. But when that's all set up, I would say January, I would go and download that and read it because you can see the flow. But they suggested screening. And I, I don't agree with that because typically the hygienist is there in the office. So they're thinking if the patient comes in through hygiene first, the hygienist would screen and then you know, do the 4355, but the doctor's there. Like, why would you do a screening? Screening is for when mm-hmm. usually there's no provider on site. It's, it's a, yeah. you know, clinical type thing or a, I, I don't know. It just, it, it's not what I would recommend. So I would stick with the 140. And then when they come back, you now are able to do 180, which honestly, a lot of people were doing that anyways. So do you know, I feel like I should know this and I feel a little bit uh, silly that I don't know this, but so one four zero, and this goes back to your screening part. It, does that have to be hands on, like opening a mouth and doctor has to look? Because it's always been through my offices, go through the hygienist, the hygienist will screen, and then go say, "Hey doc, check out these X rays and intraoral images that we took them, or pano or whatever." I can't see anything in there. It's just too much. We're gonna need to do a debridement. I'll be happy to get that done right now, but I need you to say yes while you're still, you know, doing your notes or prepping a tooth or doing whatever I've interrupted it from you. And they usually have said, okay, go ahead and go do that. I mean, does that count as a 140 if they've reviewed that? So typically it's an in-person evaluation, but it's not that there's any language in there that says, you know, got to be hip to shoulder. The The issue is though, would your notes <laughs> support that? Yeah. So just making sure that you write in there that the radiographs were reviewed. Yeah. 
and that, you know, this is why. But I think, you know, it's not really that hard of a stretch to have the doctor come in, take a look. Honestly, for a 43.55, you don't even need to glove up. Seriously. Like, so you got the, the hygienist. Take a look. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm diagnosing it at the front. Let's be honest. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, you, they walk <laughs> in and they just try and open their mouth. And, yeah. I'm like, oh, 4341 coming your way. <laughs> okay, here we go. Massachusetts just passed mm-hmm. something that is impactful, definitely for the people of Massachusetts. But can you talk a little bit more about that and then like what you foresee with your crystal ball, what the future is going to hold? Yeah. So question two for those that are uncertain, I'm going to make it as easy as possible. Basically, when there's a dollar spent on premium most of that should go to patient care. And on the medical side, there's mandates on that, you know, anywhere between, I think, 83 or 87%, something like that is, is mandated. It's called medical loss ratio. And so on the dental side, there has traditionally never been a DLR, you know, an MLR for us. Now, California does have a rule in place. And so what that means, though, is that there's re- reporting that has to go on. So there's a lot of paperwork that has to go on because so, they have to prove that they're getting to this, this point. So the big advocates for it have said, you know, look, there's no accountability. If there's no MLR requirement, then that means insurance companies don't have to tell you what they're spending their money on and look at these record profits and look at this and look at that. The carrier's response to this is the makeup of medical and dental premiums is vastly different. So it's very hard to make that same calculation based on that. And they're just two totally different markets. And then most of the time, they're smaller insurance departments of big companies, but smaller insurance departments and regulatory reporting would be a burden. So that's the two sides Mm -hmm. of it. Okay. So And the carriers all knew this was going to pass because let's be honest, when you go to say, you know, should insurance pay more for this, who's going to, the general public is going to go, yes, (laughs) they knew, they knew that it was in trouble. But what's different about this, why there's such a big deal about this is that the person spearheading this put in so much money, I think like half a million dollars towards getting this. It's an orthodontist up in Massachusetts and it's like half a million dollars or some ridiculous amount, huge amount. He got the ball rolling, but he, they tried to go through the legislature twice, meaning, you know, we don't have anything to do with it. Citizens of Massachusetts, other than their elected officials, it was defeated both times because there is lobbying power Mm -hmm. from the carriers, Mm -hmm. obviously. And the ADA's lobby, I don't know, just maybe just didn't cut it this time. So they said, forget it. There's this little rule that says we can go straight to the voters. And they did. They put it on the ballot. And I think the carriers were like, wait, what? So (laughs) I think it totally took them by surprise. So it was put to the ballot. Now, what that does then is it creates a blueprint for the other states to do this. So this is something that is alarming to the carriers for sure. Why is it alarming? Their thing is that it increases the costs. Okay. So now my crystal ball, let's take the fabric off the crystal ball here. What I worry about is it's going to impact the carriers we don't necessarily need to be impacted. This was really aimed towards Delta Dental. This, I mean, this mm-hmm. really, Delta Dental in Massachusetts and the dentists in Massachusetts have this weird love-hate relationship. It's like the ones in Washington State, too. Mm-hmm. Like They need Delta. They hate Delta. They don't want Delta, but they want Delta back. And yeah. We need reimbursement. We don't like you. It's just a weird push and pull. So, With that being said, Delta is not going to feel this very much. It's not. So when you pass a state law, it only applies to fully funded plans that are governed by 
the state. Okay, so now this is getting technical. Self-funded plans are not, they're covered by a federal law called ERISA. Now that's as technical as I'm going to get, so don't don't zone out people. The only thing you should know is that 50%, it's about 50-50, the amount of plans sold. So what that means is that if you are Duncan carrier, Duncan insurance carrier, and I'm operating in the state of Massachusetts, I'm a small company. Now they slapped all this regulation on me and I only offer fully funded plans. Now my costs are astronomical. My premiums are going to go up and all these employers are going to go, we can't afford you. We're going to go over here. I'm going to go out of business. I'm, it's going to push small insurance carriers out of the state. Then what that does is it reduces competition. So I appreciate it, and I think it's a good thing. I just think there needs to be some balance because I wonder if it's going to swing too far in the opposite direction and actually restrict employer choice in the marketplace. That's my concern. That's incredible. I didn't even think it. I, I was just celebrating over here like, finally, we have a huge win against you know big insurance. But you're right. I didn't actually think about how that could impact the other carriers that are out there. Well, and the thing is the premiums are... I, the premiums are going to go up in Massachusetts, just knowing what I know and exiting the market. And now that there's regulatory reporting, they have to make their money up. Right. And I know that people are like, well, they, but they made so much money. A lot of times when you look at like the CEOs of Cigna or Aetna United Healthcare, that really comes from the medical side. Dental is like a drop in the drop of a bucket of the, <laughs> of the healthcare dollars being spent. Sure. So yeah, I don't know. I, st- I still see, you know, posts about Delta Dental CEO did this $20 million bonus or the, whatever, $100 million bonus, whatever it was. I, it still, oh, yeah. it irks me to, to no end. And, you know, I, I understand they're going to bring the premiums up, but they still have to have that 85%, you know, paid out or the patient gets a refund, you know, which I also right. can appreciate. Well, and it's not like that didn't happen. There were carriers that did send money back to, you know, after COVID. I know that the big thing is COVID, there's lots of Profits being made, nobody was getting seen. And there were a, quite a few re- reimbursements that went back to employers. You know, I, I get it, though. I get it. The real thing behind all of this, Andrew, is that insurance companies and providers, it's been getting to be more caustic as time goes on. It's getting worse and worse. It's not a good time to kind of be in the middle of this. And I and that's me because I'm Switzerland. I'm trying to connect with carriers, connect with providers, share information, have done a decent job, but it is becoming, I can see it. I can see the disdain on both sides and it's not cool. All right. Last question, friend. What would your advice be for the clinical staff going into 2023 as in regards to insurance? What do they need to be doing? So, yeah. So work on your clinical templates, take a look at the new codes coming out. You know, I always, every year give a coding update. So January 10th is my coding update webinar. It's free. I don't know if it has CE, but it is free. And so I can send you the link to put in the show notes for that. What I would love is to really pay attention to the staging and the grading. I'd love to see that a lot more in the notes. And I really would appreciate putting in time seated, time dismissed Uh, for many things. I think that's something to, I think we need to train ourselves as we go down the road towards more medical type notes and billing. And if you're doing anesthesia, you're doing this anyways. But one audit point that they have when they come in and look at your appointment book, did you actually do four you know, SRPs in one day? And typically you have to send them a copy of the schedule. But it's, it's in the notes that time seed and time dismissed was noted. I mean, they, they really don't need that. Also, I've heard from lawyers that that's, they like seeing that. They actually really like seeing that. So 
when a lawyer gets happy, I get happy. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I would say double down on that. And then, you know what, there's a lot of advances periodontally, right? Like you guys are seeing all sorts of new technologies and stuff. You know, tell your front office about that. We don't read the same journals. We like to see what's coming on. I mean, I, my office was different. We were all nerds, but I, there's a lot of offices where I'll say, you know, hey, have you heard about the staging and grading? And then I, the hygienist is like, oh, yeah, I tried to talk to them about that. And so, you know, have a, have a lunch and learn with your staff. I love that. All right, friend. If they want to know more about you, if they want to listen to your podcast, where can they find you? So my website, odysseymgmt.com. You can find links to both of my podcasts. Nobody told me that and chew on this. But I also have lots of webinars across the country and meetings across the country. So go to the event page and see if I'm in town. I'd love to meet up with fans of the podcast. And you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. You'll see all those links and all that. So, yeah, I I try to not be too media crazy. So I lurk a lot. I need to be better. (laughs) No, I think you do a perfect job. All right. Thanks for being on. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, this is a tale, a tale, oh yeah, a tale of two hygienists. So there might be only one, bringing the best of dental knowledge, and we do it all with ease. We cover oral health and screening, and preventing gum disease. We're gonna do a lot of learning, and have a little bit of fun working at the dentist. A tale of two hygienists.